Welcome, everybody, to the Building Ahrensburg podcast. I'm Thomas Ahrensburg. And I'm Catherine Ahrensburg. And as always, before we begin, make sure that you're hitting the subscribe button, pressing five stars, referring to all your friends, because we want more people to listen to us. This is my haunted, spooky voice. Is it working? I'm terrified. <laughs> um, I, don't, I haven't checked to see if we actually have any more. Subscribers? Subscribers or listeners. I don't think you can check that. That's the weird thing about podcasting yeah. is you can, they don't tell you how many subscribers you have. You can just, you know how many ratings you have, five stars or whatever, um, and you can read reviews. I haven't looked at that either. But that's, that's the best thing. It's like, you know, podcasting or doing any kind of creative marketing, well, maybe not marketing, but doing something like this, it's an outlet. Like we're, we don't have sponsors. We're not doing that whole thing. Um, of course, that's not to say we wouldn't if some came along or whatever, but the point being that it's like your 401k or something. You, you don't look at it. You don't look at it. Yeah. You just, just let it grow. You let it take be pay, taken out of your paycheck every month or you d- you deposit it or whatever you do and you don't look at it for a very long time because it could be discouraging if you looked at it and then you would stop. <laughs> You'd probably either stop investing or stop. Um, stop inve- podcasting. Stop podcasting, which is also an investment. Somewhat sure. of our time. It's an investment of our time. Yeah. I don't know if it'll ever pay off with anything, but it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I have fun with it, so. It's fun to sit down and um, have a conversation with you every week, have a conversation with the people that are listening um, who are like-minded, and um, and then you're learning a lot of like editing skills and things yeah. like that. And we're getting to work together in a very small way, probably in just- In a very small room as well. Just the amount that we need, <laughs> just a small amount of time that we're working together. All right, so <laughs> what yes. I wanted to talk about was something that we kind of ended on last week, okay. and I was like, oh, we need to talk about that next week. You are following the Brian Laundry oh, search and rescue, which I don't know if they found him. Yes, they did, sir. Oh, excuse me. You don't know about this? No. They found his body. But I know then, that they thought they found his body. So they, they've identified his body. The thing that cracks me up is that there's lots of people who are- Did Dog the Bounty Hunter he did not, find him? Okay. Dog did not find him. They did find his body, though. In the same place, basically, that they spent weeks searching in, but it's in Florida, and there's a lot of wildlife, and by wildlife, I mean in this one... Alligators. It's like the Everglades. Do you guys know about the Everglades? Yeah, that's where if you... Like, that's all you had to say. There's, there's... <laughs> it's not... It is not the Everglades, but it's similar in that it's just this area that with as much water as Florida, as Florida gets, it all floods, and so it's not really easily right. accessible by humans, and then it's got snakes and lizards and cougars and... Yeah, panthers and wild animals. That I mean, would eat yeah, a human. coyotes and mountain lions and alligators and yeah. I mean, it's not really survivable, honestly. So that's what happened to him. Okay. Lots of conspiracy theorists will tell you that that's not what happened. He's really somewhere, but like yeah, they it's found a fake body. It's a fake body. Yeah, not a fake body, but like a planted body. Right. It's a skull. <laughs> oh, that's all they have? No, I mean they say remains. I don't I don't know. I don't want to misspeak and say what they've all okay. gotten, but it's I will say that there are some details that seem real suspicious in connection with the parents. Always. Always. And I always happens. have always have to have my little red flag prepared to fly, fly high. It's should always, something you always have it out, actually. Per, I think your red flag's always I'm holding out. it. I'm always yeah. holding the red flag and then I need to like like fly it in the air really like reach my arm up into the air and flag it around fly it around all right so um what i wanted to bring up about that was something we had talked about you said the parents were covering for this kid mm-hmm. like giving them the police at least to run around yeah and it it brought up the question well 
you asked your sisters about, and um, I think you even sis- asked your dad. My sister asked my dad. She called him specifically on the telephone to yeah. have this conversation, and she was like, it got weird. Because <laughs> <laughs> my dad kept asking questions like, well, I mean. Well, what are the circumstances? What are the circumstances? Would you ever get caught? You know, is there a possibility you could get caught? Did anybody see you do it? Like, all this stuff that you're yeah. like, why does it matter, Dad? <laughs> it was a yes or no question, and, <laughs> yeah. and you really blurred the But now the you know where I get it from, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you always. I never doubted that's where you got it from. Oh, you didn't? No. You, I knew where you got it from. So, when, anytime Thomas not, he likes to bring up these just random questions, and he wants a yes or no answer, a definitive, would you do this or would you do that? And generally, I'll be like, well, what it, what it was the circumstance? What if, right. the, you know, and he's like, no, I need a yes or no answer. I need a, would you do this or would you do that? And I'm like, no, it's never that easy. It's never that simple. He's like, why are you so gray area? I'm like, because that's, we live in the gray. That's yeah. life. <laughs> so the question was, I guess, since it's not a yes or no, how far would you go to defend your kid? I don't. I honestly don't believe that anyone can give you that answer. They're not in that situation. If you've never been in that situation, you can't. You can't Say answer it. Say what you it. would do. Yeah, because you, you also know. you also don't have the context of that that child or that human and what they've done before. You know, if they've been an absolute angel their their entire lives, and then right. suddenly this happens and it comes completely out of nowhere, you might be in denial. Maybe they did do it, and you're in denial. So maybe it takes sure. some time to come around to that. I don't know. I just don't think, again, here's my gray area for even justifying my answer. I just don't think that any one person, especially not outside of a family, has all the context to be able to give. Sure. I mean, even inside the family, you don't have all the context, I would imagine. I mean, even if, you know, they knew, obviously they raised their son. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, how well do parents keep in touch with their kids Yeah, I mean, he's 23 years old. Adults? No, well, he was living with them. Oh, was he? Yes, he was living with okay. them. And so, so they know what she. he's up to every Yeah. Day. Um, but you're asking about our children or in, in our lives, what, you know, what links would we go to? And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It depends on if I think, cause we've talked about before, um, one of our kids, uh, actually a couple of them, there's been several instances at school, um, where they've had some run-ins with some kids repeatedly, the same kid over and over right. is picking on the, our children, child, whatever it was. And um, this kid is known to be in school. He picks on everybody. He's right. known to be a bully. I hate using the word bully, but yeah. he's known to be a problem. And um, the kid would repeatedly p- pick on my kid and like sling him down the ground by his neck and things like that. And I just had enough. And so I told him he could punch. I, get, I said, you have my full permission. You can punch him in the face. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, no, I can't do that. And I said, you most certainly can. Absolutely, you can do that. If you have, If you've asked him to stop... If he, if the teachers aren't doing anything, right? Like, I think that's what it came to is that we emailed the teachers like, "Hey, this kid, he's playing too rough." I mean, it, it's if it's playing, yeah, if it's play. I don't even know, but I mean, giving the 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 kid the benefit of the doubt, let's say they're just rough housing mm-hmm. and they're just boys, and you know they're grabbing on each other. This kid doesn't know the boundary of that's too rough. And in my opinion, my child needs to teach him what the boundary sure. is. You well, if if. If the teachers aren't teaching him, hey, that's that's too rough. You're not, you know, you can play with the person. Maybe even there will be physical contact in the play, right? But but that, the teacher told us, like point blank, you your child is not allowed to touch this child, right? Like the, I, if a teacher sees it, we will handle it. 
I'm like, you ain't handling it. Right. This has been happening for years. You're not seeing it. You're not seeing it. Or you are seeing it and you're not handling it. Something. Something's happening. One of the two. And so I am going to allow my child to take care of it. Now, my child is deathly afraid of getting afraid at school. And so he's not really going to handle it. Right. Um, but I can assure you that if he ever does handle it, he won't get in trouble at home. He can get suspended from school. You guys can send him home if you want, but he will not get in trouble with right. me. In fact, we'll probably go have a celebration day because I just cannot. And that kind of has gotten into the conversation with you and me about how um, this generation has changed as far as what the rules are at school, the way that kids are playing on the playground, and if right. it's benefiting them to prevent things from happening later on down the line. And we're not psychologists, obviously, and we don't have any experience other than our own children's experience and our own personal, personal experience yeah. with growing up as kids. And what did we do on the playground? I'm a girl. You're a boy. There's right. also something to do with, um, uh, I think, birth order, too. Like, you had sure. older brothers who kind of probably stuck up for you and you had some confidence and being able to stick up for yourselves once other people were kind of giving you that confidence. But he's, you know, we have the oldest girl who's tough as nails when it comes to any kind of bullying stuff. Bullying. But she hasn't yeah. always been that way. Right. At some point, she kind of grew into that. Well, she, I remember when she was in kindergarten or first grade, there was, it wasn't physical bullying, I guess. It was more like a psychological, I'm not going to be your friend kind of thing. Yeah. She yeah. had some girl that was, again, I don't like the word bullying because I don't know that that's the right word. I think, I think bullying is like, in my it, like the way I define it, like that's the, the that's like the last straw. There's nothing past bullying. Yeah. In terms of like child play. Yeah, I I kind of push back about against the idea that like all people are, that our children should learn that everybody's gonna be kind at all times because that's right. just not the reality of life. And so they they have to learn how to deal with people who pick on them or whatever. And so I think something that we drove into drive, I guess not drove, but drive into our kids' heads overall is. That when a kid is picking on you, there's likely something going on sure. at home. Right. Or they, they're having a bad day for some reason or whatever. And when it's re repeated over a long period of time, there's something going on. Right. Like this is, children are not created that way for the most part. I guess there's some issues there could well, possibly be. But I, I would, I mean. I guess I was just teaching empathy, you know. Right. That, that if a kid is coming to school every day and picking on you for whatever reasons it's probably because someone's picking on them and so they're right. releasing it out on you or something's happening that they can't control and so they're trying to control you in some way i mean that's what bullying is right you know ultimately so if 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 your child can wrap their brain around that that's fine but boys are so physical girls are just worse yeah, i was gonna say that's when you first said that i was like well there is such a with boys especially there's like this constant competition for who's the smartest, who's the fastest, who's the best basketball shooter, who... I wish we had Brett Weinstein here right now, or Weinstein, or however you pronounce his name, because I'm sure he would say that that's your natural evolutionary... Right. You want to show that you are the more superior species. Yeah, you have to be stronger or faster because you need to survive, or you right. need to marry, you know, or, you know, mate, whatever, you right. know? And they started at a... I mean, it's like young bucks, literally like That's young exactly deer. That's exactly what it's like, right. Um, they practice, right? They practice fighting until the point where they get big enough to where... And they're, they're challenging They're for really challenging, yes. Right. And so we've taken away the practice Yes. a little bit at school. And we've called it bullying. And we've called it bullying. And I, I, 
I don't, I can't really wrap my brain. I would love to hear somebody give a speech on it or a podcast. I would love to listen to about it. Maybe I'll go and look one up and see if I can find one. But I do think that there's something about that that is missing. Yeah. And is causing again, some I, problems. I, I think what happened, and I, I don't know, because I was a kid when all this happened, but when I was a kid, the games we used to play on the playground or in PE, are they're like outlawed right now. Like, well, some of them are problematic, especially the names of them. You can't call games Smear the Queer. You just can't do it. Yeah. Like, that's not okay. So, but the game in and of itself of like, I don't actually, I don't even know how to play that game, but like. The way that worked was whoever had the ball, it was that person versus everybody. Okay. I, I think they love that game. They call it something else now. It's the same game. Yeah, I, mean, I don't like, know that they're allowed. To, they're not allowed to play. They're not allowed to tackle each other. I remember when I was a kid, when I was in elementary school, not at my middle school, but at my elementary school, we used to play games like that. We used to play chicken fighting where you're on the monkey bars and you're trying to knock the other person off the monkey bars. Yeah, I think they've gotten rid of all monkey them bars and wrapping too. Wrapping legs around them and that kind of thing. Yeah, we used to play dodgeball and double dodgeball where mm-hmm. you, you would make one circle. And it was the last man standing, and everybody, if you got out, you joined the circle until mm-hmm. there was one person left in like the circle. Musical, st- musical chairs. It was, yes, yeah, yeah, we talked about like what I did at PE and not PE, but uh, playground time, recess, which, by the way, they call it structured play now at school, which drives me nuts. But right. anyway, um, what I used to do as a girl with all of my friends, I mean, when you're really little, you play with boys and girls, but right. I, I have memories of climbing up into the tower and running across the bridge that moves. You know, yeah. you had mm-hmm. these like wobbly bridge that you'd run across and then the slides and digging in the sand. We did a lot of digging. Yeah, I remember doing all that too. All of those things. You say we're going to dig to the devil. I don't know why we wanted to hit the devil, but anyway, we were digging down. And so I remember doing all those things, swinging, you know, and of course all of those things but you're you learning. Don't even play like dodgeball or Red Rover. That's another game. Red, Red Rover, Rover, Red Rover, Saint yeah. Thomas, right over. We played those things in PE. They were a little more organized, right? You know, I don't remember doing like pickup games at. But again, I'm not a game a player. Pickup game of Red Rover. A pickup game of Red Rover. Yeah, <laughs> where every it's always like a hundred people involved <laughs> in that game. Um, but yeah, I I do not remember playing those except for in a a position where or a situation where a teacher would be like we're playing red rover like i would not volunteer but that's me that's just my personality i'm just not a game player really at all and um which i'm the opposite opposite. it didn't matter what the game was yeah and we have kids like that red rover chicken fighting right but i do think that there is something to letting especially boys be physical in a way that's not really hurting anybody right so that they well, you're going to get hurt playing those it's games. It's like puppies. When you, you know? get knocked off the monkey bars, it's going to hurt. Yeah. But then you're going to get back up and you're going to do it again. Yeah. I mean, you remember when we had our puppy and we were around a lot of puppies. I'd never really been around puppies before. Um, our two broods of, what do you call them? What are they called? Packs of puppies. What is a group of puppies called? A gaggle of puppies. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone's screaming at their phones right now. Um a pound of puppies. No, it's not a pound. Oh, gosh. It's called something. He's Googling what a group of puppies, a whole litter. It's called a litter. Yes. Did it. It is called a litter. I did it. Okay. So um, we were around two litters of puppies at one time. And I've never been around newborn puppies before. But we watched them grow up until they were, you know, five, six weeks old. Mm-hmm. And that's where we learned that when you say a pile of puppies, they ain't joking. Right. When they say... We always used to say our kids, like, they love to sleep in the same bed. Mm-hmm. Like, four kids in one bed. It's like, I can't understand how it's comfortable for them. So, we always say they like to 
sleep like a pile of puppies. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what puppies do. Yeah. You guys, if y'all don't know, at, <laughs> newborn puppies, they literally sleep in a pile. And then one will start to like suffocate a little bit and then it'll roll to the top and move to the top and the other one starts to suffocate. I don't really know if it's suffocating, yeah, but they're just, they it's a constantly in motion sleeping. Like they're just climbing pile, on top of each other, climbing all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where that comes from. But they also learn i mean that's part of the reason they need to stay with their their litter and stay with their mom for as many weeks as they do is because they are learning social skills right they are learning um how hard they can bite on another puppy's ear before it really does hurt mm-hmm. and what those little sounds mean you know a a mean chew versus a a playful, playful. chew yeah and um they're learning to like bow and just all the things that they are going to have to know as an an adult grown dog signals like social signals and we've taken those away it seems like from children yeah i feel like we have a lot and i i don't know how to get them back like how do you we have we have multiple children and so they can do their thing here but well unfortunately i think a lot of the way you get it back is you have to put them in these organized sports that are and again an organized sport nowadays is not what an organized sport was when we were kids they're like hyper organized yeah with really nice uniforms and games that go all weekend and practices every day which that's not what organized sports was when i was a kid right but i think that that has because there is no playing dodgeball in pe and chicken fighting on the playground and the only way for a kid to get that experience is to put them in something like force them into some organized version of that. Well, we are we are now deciding at this point that we are going to put our kids in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. That's that's where our next step is because we are trying to teach our kids um, to defend themselves. Should there be, I mean, see, I'll say this too about our kids, and this is, I guess, this is on us. I don't know. Maybe everything's our fault. Just go ahead and admit it. Me and my brothers used to wrestle, like wrestle, wrestle, put each other in choke holds and punch each other. And and what did your mom do? Sling each other. She would yell at us. <laughs> what she would say is, go outside and do that. Yeah. It was not a quit wrestling. It was a go outside and do that. Like if y'all are going to go and just sling each other all over the couches and furniture and, you know, yeah, we're don't trying, ruin to, my trying stuff. to pin each other and all this different kind of stuff, punching yeah. each other. And again, it was a thing. Like, you learned how hard you could punch somebody mm-hmm. without, like, really hurting them, hurting them. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew that I could punch that this hard to where he would say, ow, and he would stop, or he would let go, or he would whatever. You were puppies. It's exactly what we were, but we don't let our kids do that. Like, when they I start... I don't know if they try to, do they? Well, our, I've noticed our boys have done it a little bit, and we always tell them to stop. And I think I'm going to just start telling yeah. them to go outside. Yeah. Go outside and do that. Yeah. But you think they will go outside to do it? Do you we think that they'll did. stop and then continue it outside? Um, what ended up happening almost always was we would go outside and play football or basketball. Yeah. I think I think you're right. I think we should switch that and have them start like encouraging them to do that. Not fight fight, but to wrestle. But no, I can, we were never we were never fighting like we were mad at each other, mm-hmm. but it would always just It probably developed into that because knowing one of y'all you pinched, Someone gets elbowed yes, or yes. And then it turns into mad. Right. Oh, we would always do this like we'd be watching T V and we always had a football around <laughs> and you would roll it on the ground and just like whoever gets it, gets it. Mm-hmm. And four boys jump in there and we're all fighting, trying to get the ball out. And you're, how many TV screens do you think you broke as kids? I don't think we broke it. We broke a lot of other stuff, but we didn't break the TVs. <laughs> well, lucky you. TVs yeah. were very expensive back then. Very, very expensive. Well, I come from a family of 
five girls and a brother. And so, and we're very spread apart in age. From oldest to youngest, youngest there's 19 years. Mm-hmm. From I'm the third child. And between me and my next oldest sister, seven years. And then above right. that are nine years. My mom basically had us in pairs. So I didn't have... You didn't have that. No, none of that. And I don't think girls do it as much anyway. Right. Like yeah, It's just not how don't. we are. But um, anyway, I do think that if they get into... When, I shouldn't say if. When they get into jiu-jitsu, that they will be sparring. Learn, like trying to hone their skills that they learned at, yeah. at practice. Yeah. Because they play football, they play basketball, and they practice those things out in the yard. And, and on I'm the court. sure, I mean, I don't know anything about jujitsu really, but I know that a big part of it is tapping out. You try to get the other person to tap out. Yeah. And that's how you know you've won. And that's what we used to do. Like when we would wrestle with each other, you're trying to get the other person to tap, to out. tap out. Yeah. And that was it. I just need for them, I need for them to have that. Even, I guess, I mean, here we are, 2020. I guess that's what you have to do for your kids to be able to learn these puppy skills and these young buck skills is to put them in a situation where they're having to fight. Um, I mean, how sad is that? Yeah, yeah. I, it, I, I was know. just thinking about that. That's, it's sad that they don't have that experience. Although I will say, our, we do give our kids a lot of experiences that other kids are not getting. Just just the playing outside and the free play outside. and Yeah. They, they're still getting that, which I think a lot of kids aren't getting. Like our kids go out and ride bikes. They climb ropes trees, and yeah. trees. And I'm super excited about them learning how to drive the Cushman, which I've probably mentioned several times before. But this morning, I actually sat them down, except for one. All The youngest actually did it too. It was one of our middle children that didn't do it, but... Um, three out of the four kids went out this morning and learned how to switch gears because mm-hmm. it's a it's a three speed um, manual transmission. It has a clutch, and um, I learned how to drive a clutch when I was coming up. Mm-hmm. Turn, you know, when I turned fifteen, that's always what I learned. And the first thing you have to learn how to do is to switch gears, like feeling them switch from right. one gear to another, learning right. what the ch- the branches of the tree look like. Yeah, um, to be able to. It was switch always them drawn properly. on top of it, though. Yeah, the Cushman does not have that. Yeah. If in My grandfather car, always had a manual transmission, always, until he had to have his knees replaced. And I remember that was, if you got to sit in front, you got to shift. Yeah. And that was like a thing, you know. Yeah. That, so you, you learn how to shift, and then you start learning what to listen to, how to listen to shift, right? right. So I'm, I'm teaching them how to shift, just what it feels like to shift, mm-hmm. and what each gear feels like coming in and out, and what neutral feels like. And the Cushman's a little different, because reverse is forward. Like, you press right. the yeah, yeah. gear forward. It's in the first position instead of the last position. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, after they learn how to shift, I will teach them, as I'm driving the Cushman, I'll drive it, but they'll get to sit next to me. And watch. And listen. You have to listen to right. an engine to know when to switch it. Yeah. Our Cushman especially does not have the RPMs, right. which is what my dad used to use as the signal. You know, when you get to about 2,500 RPMs and you switch gears. Right. And, you know, eventually you learn to listen to the sound of the engine. And so right. you know right. when it's time to, to switch. But the Cushman is when much When you're different. learning, you're looking at, at the tachometer to, right. to figure it out. right. Um, which this thing does not have any kind of no, gauges of no any gauge. kind. <laughs> no and so that will be the next step after that. We'll teach them that. And then, of course, they'll learn how to press the clutch and switch at the That's same the time, part. which is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. What's especially difficult about the Cushman is it is a vintage vehicle, and so the gears aren't smooth. No, they're not. The clutch isn't smooth. It's not a given that when you're on a certain road, you're going to put it in a certain gear. You know, when you're in a car, when you're in a car, like – you go from first, second, third, and it runs pretty smooth. This thing like wants to clunk out on you at any given time. Right. So if, if like I, my dad and my mom would always say, if you learn how to drive a clutch, you can drive anything. 
but I learned in a car that worked properly. Right. Yeah. These kids are about to learn on the hardest clutch situation yeah. available. And if they can learn to drive this thing, they truly will be able to drive anything. I mean, yeah. it's not just a clutch. It is like a vintage, well, the handlebar very difficult. Situation it's handlebar, of a right? <laughs> right, has a handlebar instead of a steering wheel. So all that to say, we're trying to give them skills, not just experiences. Of course, these are experiences too, but skills and really think back to what their brain and bodies need in order to evolutionarily be a like a right-headed adult mm-hmm. it's hard because i'm not a psych i mean i don't know i don't know and i know i know we are evolving of course from our generation to this generation and not everything we did is the right way to do things because i get so tired of people saying well back in my day that doesn't mean Paul, yeah. that it mm-hmm. was right just because you did it back in your right, day right and so having to reassess every and just be so considerate about everything and that is so our generation to think through every dang nuance of everything instead of just letting kids be kids yeah and now we're having like purposely put back into their system um what we are hoping that nature it should be included in their natural upbringing that's being pulled out because in the sake of safety or i mean i don't even know what I'm sure it is because imagine like there's going to be plenty of cases where m- most other parents don't feel the way that we do about it. Right. And so they don't want their kids wrestling. They complain about the kids getting dirty, like their shirts dirty every time when they come home or whatever because they wear white shirts to school. There's there's as many different opinions on this as there are kids that go to the school. Sure. And so I just know how I want our kids to be raised and the right. adults that I want them to be or I hope that they will be. But how do I achieve that when we're living among other people who don't feel the same way we do. So like we have to find our tribe while still sending them to a mainstream school. You know what's interesting? Okay. So let's take the example of dodgeball. You know, dodgeball is now like forbidden from schools, but I would imagine most parents, either they didn't care. or No, there's probably plenty of parents who felt very targeted by, because they weren't the popular kid. And so it wasn't a popularity thing though. Yes, it was. You it would, was definitely an ability thing. If you sucked at dodgeball... But who did you go for first? The people that were weak. <laughs> That's always who I went for first. Like, I know this guy's not going to catch the ball, and he can't but move is very it, quickly. But is it or is it not true that evolutionarily, the weak people... Like, you went for the... Just like the bucks. You're going for the weak. You know what I'm saying? The lion goes for the weak deer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So probably the weakest kid is also the one that's like maybe the nerdiest or maybe whatever. Like I think it all comes yeah. down to evolution. I really do. Yeah. There yeah, that's probably And so the mom of that kid is like, My kid's constantly getting picked on, they're constantly whatever. Let's limit do- like let's eliminate dodgeball altogether. I don't know. I just think that it all kind of it's come from somewhere. This stuff didn't just happen overnight. Right. And of course we can't we're not fixing the problem for sure, but we can, we can control what our kids are doing. Yeah. And I can control that I'm giving you permission to punch another kid do at you, school. But do you think there's some value in you? Maybe not. It's hard as a parent, but there is there some value in the kid knowing that that is where he stands in the in the order of things. Of course, I, in my opinion, yes. In my opinion, yes. Because I think that that is evolutionarily how life works. Yeah. Like you, so you're kind of robbing a kid from the experience. It's kind of like, and I know they talk about this, the whole trophy, giving everybody a trophy. 
and how it devalues the trophy of the people that actually deserve the trophy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the kids that didn't deserve the trophy, they know they didn't deserve the trophy. But I think that's what ha- is happening is that they don't realize they didn't deserve the trophy. They're I being, think, they're, I they're mean, being I think a lot up. of the studies are coming out to say that the kids that know, like, I sat on the bench the whole year. I was but last I th- in, but the I think it becomes they the, know that like I don't get, I don't deserve this. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that they still are finding ways to um, congratulate or show appreciation for the best kid. Like they they call him the MVP or whatever. There's right. always an award for the best one. Sure. So even though, so in my opinion, yeah. But so what value? Does it, it, the participation trophy has zero value, and I don't think it's a matter of the kid who knows he doesn't deserve the trophy. I think it's a matter of the trophy's being given to everyone, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't feel like it's an award anyway, because right. still, there's a better award for the kid who actually was the best. Sure, sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, so we're, we talk about this participation trophy thing, and I think it's kind of a just a word that's used. But, I mean, it may as well be, like, I mean... What what difference does it make what it is? It doesn't matter. Someone else is still getting a better award. They're still doing well, the same or thing. Or just nobody gets the award except for the really good kid. That's That used to be how it is. Right. But now, I mean, you could have given them a certificate, a piece of paper. It's, a trophy just represents the same thing that everybody else is getting. So what they're, it, it rep, now it represents nothing. You're saying the yes. kids should get nothing. The, partici- the participation trophy now just represents nothing. And then the MVP award is the trophy. You know what I'm saying? We're yeah. just upping the... The yeah, but I think they, I think, and I don't know why. I, I'm not a psychologist. I think it's damaging to give the kid the participation trophy because now they still, even though the value I of it is zero, you still gave them something, and they didn't deserve anything. Does that make sense? I I'm, mean, I'm not maybe articulating, but maybe they, I, the way ma- I feel very well. But. No, I mean, I I believe in the whole you no know, no participation trophy culture or whatever, but I think the actual trophy is not what we're talking about here because the kid made it through the season as far as like they were there. They probably made it to every practice. It's like a full yeah, attendance. But sometimes they don't. I mean, it's a perfect attendance award more than it's a participation. No, they they give those out to the kids that showed up only for the games or showed up for practice every once in a while. I don't know. It's I haven't just, been part of enough. Whatever's. Well, I've coached plenty. Of so them do you, well, we, okay. So do you give, do you give the kid, um, a ring? Like, the kids that went to the state championship that were on the team, even if they rode the bench the whole year, they still get a ring. Yeah. That they have to pay for, I'm sure. At our school anyway, I don't think that you actually get no, a ring. No, maybe don't the boosters paid for it. The boosters paid for it. So but. the kid that rode the bench, he still gets a ring because he was on the team. Yeah. That I think that's equal to what's happening with the participation trophies. No, because even the, the suck team gets, like you could have been last place, here's your hmm. participation trophy for yeah. participating. Yeah. Anyway, I think... I think if you had to get down to the nuts and bolts, but I think the trophy is actually for the parents. It's not for the kid. Oh, for sure. Kid, parent, oh, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think the kid could take it or leave it. Let me tell you what I want to do with all their trophies. I want to throw them in the trash. They're just a bunch of tchotchkes that I can't handle. Yeah. Cheap plastic. Someone go get a curio whatever. cabinet. It's like the modern day um, whole, whole ceramics or the um, precious moments. You remember the precious moments? Yes, dolls? I do. People used to Whatever just buy to those. those. Yeah. This generation is not. Isn't that hilarious? This. 
Our generation is not into tchotchkes unless they're participation trophies. And then it's like, give me all the per- give me all the tchotchkes. I will buy a curio cabinet to put all of these participation awards in. Yeah. I, you know, but I'm not an award. That's I think this is my personality and possibly yours too. I understand the non-participation trophy, like the whole idea of that. Mm-hmm. And I agree with it. Um, but I don't even want, I don't want an award even another, if I win. It's another level for you. Yeah, I have because a, you don't want. I have a junk. further. Yeah. yeah, well, no, I have a further level. If I were to achieve something in business, and someone was like having award, I think award ceremonies are stupid. I think, like, as an adult, work. Like, if I were to achieve something, and there was to, ha- they were to hand me an award. I don't, I don't need an award for me to feel like you don't need an award like physically you don't need the piece of paper or the trophy or the I plaque need, i don't need any of it what about the recognition i don't need the you recognition, don't need the recognition mm-hmm. either i don't want i don't want it not do i not need it i don't want it um and i think i don't know why i just i'm not interested in and it's not even like i don't want people looking at me it's not that at all i mean like i'm on camera look, yeah. at, look at me all you want but um it's I don't know what it is. We could really probably see. I think that's probably that where I differ from you. I I don't care about a trophy or a plaque or because I'm just gonna probably throw it in a box or throw it away. Probably if you it even makes it to a box. Have a box full of them. You lost your state championship ring from the year that you. I think I have it. You somewhere. have it. No, I found it. But but right. I'm saying no, that's you what lost. I'm saying like it, I, <laughs> thanks. You did not, you did not put anywhere special. Yeah, right. It yeah. doesn't go anywhere special. Um, but the recognition, I don't know that I would say I would seek it, but if someone was like, congratulations in whatever, like, okay, so like, I'll take, th- I'll take that, but it makes me so don't give me a piece of paper, tra- a plaque or a trophy or like, I don't need yeah. all those things, but yeah. if you want to at least recognize me and my team for their accomplishment, sure. Which is, I mean, it's a huge problem in my world because I do have employees who, probably do not feel the same way I do about right. awards. They and would so, like to get an award. And yeah, or they would like to... And we have... I mean, I, I know this just because we've had several coaches come through our our school. There are there are coaches that are really big on trophies and, and like, they like to display them and put things out. In it. And again, to some degree, I think that's important because, you know, when certain people... Let's say you're trying to... A kid's deciding to come to your school or some other school, and he comes in there and he sees all these trophies. He's like, wow, this is a very successful program because we see the trophies. That's a great manager because they know what motivates other people. Right. That would, it's the same that thing. would get lost on, like, um, that kind of stuff gets lost on me. What's the thing that Hoover used to, or I think it was Hoover used to do, is that big chain during the game? It's not, it's not Hoover that does Well, I think Hoover's copied it from their college programs that were doing it. They call it the turnover chain. Mm-hmm. And like, if you get an interception or a fumble, it literally looks you like, like big, big gaudy chain. Like, it looks like an anchor's chain. It looks like something yeah. that goes like to tow a truck. Yes, it's giant, like these giant links. I think that they're fake links, but right. giant chain links with like some sort of gaudy diamond studded, you know, like the mascot or the mm-hmm. whatever on the front of it, like as a medallion on the bottom. And that's enough to motivate, like getting to wear that. If you should yes. have a turnover, is enough. Like I. My brain does not work that way right. at all. And so knowing that that would be some sort of motivation for a kid. It does. It's, yeah, for some kids so it is. So thank goodness you deal with that because I I could not motivate our children with, you know, carrot stick. I'm more of a stick, yeah. really, <laughs> yeah. than I am a carrot. And, and specifically even knowing what the carrot would be. Like being able to wear this necklace. Isn't that cool, guys? You get to wear this necklace or, if you, you know, do good. you know, we also... A coach that we had not long ago used to give out helmet stickers. And so you'd yes. get a sticker for a touchdown or a great play or whatever. And so by the end of the season, 
are star players that would just their helmet be decked out. They just walk stickers. around going, "You see my, you see my stickers." Yeah, and then you had the the kid that was, you know, the last person to get into the game. He's got like one sticker on his helmet because Aww. he, you know, cleaned up the locker room one day when no one was looking. <laughs> Sad. But again, I mean, I think that there's it's a way to signal to others. I, I think that like in a way that's important though. It's, I'm not saying it's, it's important not important for kids to see. Like, if you want that, maybe for some kids, like I want my helmet when I'm a senior. I want my helmet to look like that. I think it's individually driven. So for sure. me, that's not my drive or my motivation whatsoever. And so I have to work actively work on realizing that the people around me are motivated by that, possibly, or at least getting to the bottom of what they're motivated by, and. Um, reaching to whatever that is. So if they are motivated by that kind of thing, I have to <laughs> recognize it. I have to recognize one. it and then learn to do whatever it takes because you need to be able to keep good employees and all this type of stuff. And you need to be able to continue to motivate people, even if it's not the way that you're motivated. It's almost like the love languages thing. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking as you start. Which start talking it probably about it. really is. Like I'm sure there's something in there that's similar. Gifts. Yeah, gifts. Yeah, or words of affirmation. Yeah. Which is yours, but there's not there. It's words. These are not uh, words. We've talked about this before. You need. To, I need I the know. affirmation, I but I need for you to compliment me. I see. I don't want the award ceremony, but I do want to stand in the hallway while you're talking to someone in your classroom, talking about me in a very nice way and complimenting right. me, so I can hear it and know that you acknowledged it. But it didn't happen in my face. It's very complicated. Yes. It's a very complicated thing. Or like when people would leave reviews on your website without you asking for them, is that the same? No, I don't care. I mean, I need it. I do need it for my business. Like that's... Yeah, but you're being affirmed with words. Yeah, it's not the same. I literally read good comments the same way I read bad comments. That oh. might be motivation from Gary Vee or it might just be my natural personality, but they have they have the same effect on me. Okay. It's crazy. I know. But yeah, I... I need. I want reviews on my website because it helps me. Uh, my Google search, like it goes. Right, right, my right. algorithm, the algorithm on Google pushes me up, and the Facebook algorithm pushes me up as a suggested a suggested business to hire. But as far as like it making me feel good, no. In fact, usually I'll like read the first line and make sure it's a good compliment or a good review, and then be like, that, okay, I don't need to respond. To, you know, I'll mm -hmm. respond and say thank you or whatever. But I very often will miss the specific things that they say. Because I'm not really honing in on the detail. Right. You know, there's some people who will keep letters forever and ever, like complimentary notes or whatever, and they just read yep. them over and over again. Yep. I'm not one of those people it's either. The same people that keep trophies and yeah, plaques. I'm just not a sentimental person. I don't know. Clearly, this is a me problem. <laughs> Thomas is rolling. <role> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm trying to think if I don't know that I'd really do that either. You're a keepsake box guy. I had to like help you. Um get rid of like you love to keep things they might be in a box right but you keep memory i don't have them displayed i'm sitting here looking at your letter jacket from high school not that you would throw that away of course but like that's Hanging just in the corner of this room yes that we never come into but I, there's probably a box down here at my foot or up here on the I shelf i think it's up there that's what i was right looking at i was like head. i wonder what's in that box and i bet that's what that is it's you have some trophy a weightlifting trophy and um a rock that you picked up at Lake Martin is still probably in there. It says Lake Martin in the year and the date yeah, on it. because I swam very far to get that, and you know that I'm not a good swimmer. You're not. And I swam very far to get that rock, and okay. then swam back with the rock. Like, I was very proud of myself. If it was me, I would like by now I would been like, okay, bye, bye, rock, and I would just like throw it in the trash can probably because I just don't like. I mean, I remember making that swim. Now that like this is all coming back to me, <laughs> that was a survival. 
Why did you swim out that far? Because everyone's like, hey, let's swim over there where there's some these really cool rocks we can get. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Okay. It looks kind of far. Just for I can swim. I think I can swim that far. Let's go. Thomas had zero body fat at that time in his life. And so. Just sack of bones out of sink. Out of sink. You had muscle. You just would sink. I remember that. We were not a good swimmer. I mean, you're still not a great swimmer. I'm not a great swimmer. Anyway, um, just for reference, it just looks like a rock. There's nothing special about this rock. Yeah, I mean, and then, like, I got it. I was like, like, I got to swim back with this thing. (laughs) With the rock. Which I'm already. (laughs) I made it over here. I was exhausted. Why don't you float on your back? Again. You never learn how to float on your back. Nope. Like, there are some people that can get in a pool and just lay on their back in the pool and just like, la da da. I can't do that. Yeah, you start sinking just immediately. Start sinking. Immediately start sinking. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so much work for me to tread water. Oh, you with your low body fat percentage just I don't can't know that that's swim. it. I think it's a mechanical thing. I think I'm doing something wrong mechanically. I just am not good at treading water. I don't even know what to say about that. If I'm swimming, I think I swim forward. Forward, just as good as anybody else probably swims forward. Like, a shark. I just keep in keep mind. Moving. This can't. is a guy who was born in a place that's surrounded by water. Literally, yes. yep. Born on an island, can't swim. Huh? What would you do if the island sank? I mean, come on, you get I mean, eaten by just, a shark no matter just what. Accept it. <laughs> Acceptance of the grief. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's our conversation on um, I don't know, modern day bullying and modern day like taking the puppy and taking the young bucks out of out of the kids. We're going to try to put the young back, buck back in it. Make them do some jujitsu. We're going to we'll keep you all updated on jujitsu. They're all real excited about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I cannot wait well, for I think they've to... all had experiences where they wish that they knew how to defend themselves better, probably. Yeah. And so, we're especially, giving them that. Especially our littlest one. That's that's really been um a big motivator is it we have one child that is very small and it's a girl mm-hmm. and she will be forever small. She just will be. Um, she's currently seven and a half years old and probably the size of a three-year-old. Yeah. Three I would or say. Yeah. Um, and so she, like, I'm just projecting for like something happened last week where she was being picked up by another kid that was younger than her, a mm-hmm. kid that's bigger than her and younger than her picked her up and walked her around the playground and she did not like it. And um, she didn't, she thought she'd get in trouble if she told the teacher. I mean, it's like just the same reoccurring yeah. theme. Um, she thought she'd get in trouble by telling the teacher. And so she came home and she was crying about it. And so I contacted the teacher and told her what was going on. But then my head went to, you know, her at the age of 23 in a bar being four foot 10 or four mm-hmm. foot eight or whatever she's going to be um, in a, a full grown young man thinking that it's fun to, to pick her up. It can't, I mean, right. it's happening as she's in second grade. I can only imagine what's going to happen as she gets older. I don't think it's going to end. And so my brain went to, she needs to learn to take care of herself right. and protect herself yep. because she's very, I mean, if you lift her up off the ground, she can't use her legs. So just trying to be proactive. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Not just the boys need to learn how to fight. The girls need to learn how to protect themselves too. So we're going to work on that and we'll keep y'all in the loop because um, I think it's going to be fun for the kids to <laughs> to do jujitsu as a family. Um, they're going to be sparring on the floor together. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. to fun. I mean, the competition between our oldest, it's a girl and bigger than the rest of them. The, it'll kill the boys that she'll probably beat them yeah. for a while. And so I think that will be some really well, good motivation. Be technicians. Huh? I said they better be good technicians. Yeah, right. 
So we'll keep you all in the loop on that. Definitely check out um, our social media at um, Building Aaronsburg. And my social media is Catherine Aaronsburg um, on Instagram. And um, I'm sure we'll have stories there yep. with <laughs> the jiu-jitsu situation and For everything sure. else. So you guys can follow us there. And uh, don't forget the five stars and the subscribe and all the things. Until next time, bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.